everybody, it's the Mankind Podcast. Kind men, listen to this podcast. The revolution of masculinity with your host, Scoop Magruder! Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Scoop. Thanks for tuning in. We got a lot of shit to shoot. Today's guest is a very dear friend. We're going to talk a little while. Do it through the lens of masculinity. What is that? Hey, I don't even know, but it's time for you and me to get real with it. Yeah, it's time for the show. Hey, folks, thanks for joining the Mankind Podcast. I'm your host, Scoot Magruder. With me, as always, is Mike, Mike 1 and Mike 2. Today, we have a really special guest, uh, a dear mentor of mine, Hans Lutman, is in the house today. And he is currently the managing partner at Rosso Blue LA, which has been number top three restaurant by Rob Report. And it is the place that gainfully employs yours truly. So I get to be under his uh, leadership and guidance about 35, 40 hours a week. And I've just always seen in him as an incredible leader, a role model. And I wanted to find out what his thoughts were on masculinity, what his trajectory was like on growing up and being a man. And without further ado, Hans Lutman. Hey, how's your morning? Uh, Amazing. Glad to be here. Feeling very... Very, very bright and sunny and uh, connected. Good. Yeah. You have a, a morning ritual, a morning practice that you do consistently. Is that right? I do have a morning ritual, and um, to thank God. Uh, I, I get up, and before I do anything else, and I mean anything else, I, I meditate and pray. Um, and usually that meditation is anywhere from, you know, 15 to... You know, the other day I needed a 60-minute meditation. I just, I really needed to, um, to, to ground down a little bit because mm. I'd been kind of flying at a at a, a certain pace, and I needed to make sure I was aligned. Mm. So, uh, yeah, that's part of the process is just getting up, getting aligned, um, meditation, prayer. I find it very important for me um, to have a few medita- prayers that I've I've memorized. Um, and they're like um, keys to the universe, you know. And so I get I get that going. Then I walk the dog, and 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 like this morning, I had a great morning. I, I meet with uh, some guys, and um, we sit around and and look at our our big book, um, which is the big book of AA, and and we we do some sober sharing, and and it's a great way to start the week. So um, that's that's how I start Monday. In my Meditation has always been a difficult thing for me yeah. because it feels like I'm not accomplishing anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, and and what, what would you have to say to that? Um, I have accomplished almost everything. Everything that I've accomplished, I'd say, over the past nine years has come directly out of meditation. Oh. Um, so including you know, working the steps of um, sobriety, which which not a lot of people do. There, there are people sitting in rooms and they're 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 trying to get recovered, but doing the steps um, is is hard for people to do. And so, I find that the meditation allows me to actually engage in a conscious contact because uh, I need that power. It's accessing and tapping into a power that's greater than me. So it can fill me up and imbue me with a fresh perspective um, in order to get things done. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's really just filling the tank is, mm-hmm. is what it does. And it, it fills me with this next dimension of things that I could never access before. 
Um, I was okay in the physical world, you know. I, I could compete um, mentally. I, I, I did fairly well in, in school and could keep it together emotionally, hmm. you know, uh, challenging. But, but spiritually is this next, spirituality is this next fourth dimension that has filled my cup and allows me to um, get out of my own way. Mm. Yeah. The work environment of a restaurant as chaotic as it can be, yeah. I'm sure it has been and is a challenging arena right. to practice that um, connectedness or, or... Right, right. Actually, actually... Does it, does it drain your tank or, or yeah? Yeah, actually, it's, it's a beautiful arena in which to, um, you know... Uh, it's the dojo, the ultimate dojo of mm. getting in there and, and practicing these principles, you know, mm. and, and to get in there and stay connected and um, and thank God for beautiful people like yourself who, who come and contribute and collaborate and um, and get me inspired to, to do the work that needs to be done. Um, you know, as you can relate, it's 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 uh, there's a little bit of theater in it. And so, mm. you know, if you have a, a show that you're you've written and and are putting on stage, you know, you want your actors to come in and, and feel secure. You mm. want them to feel that psychological safety and you want them to be able to perform. And so you're going to create an enriching environment for them to get on stage and do what they need to do. Mm. Um, and it's very similar to what we do at the restaurant. So um, I think you have firsthand knowledge of it. Mm. Yeah. There's so many things that I'm curious about you. Um, the main one of the main reasons was that you, as a leader, um, you are creating uh, a you know an atmosphere for people to feel safe. In your uh, journey mm. uh, as a man, have you come across leaders that uh, have just created toxic environments? That um, oh, a thousand percent, <laughs> a thousand percent, almost almost everywhere that I've worked. Um, this. You know, I, I, I would love to say that, that uh, what we're trying to accomplish in terms of culture um, is a proactive thing, and it is in some ways, but it is majorly a reactive thing to everything that I've experienced. Um, I'd say in 100% of the environments that I've worked in, uh, restaurant-wise, have been toxic to uh, a large degree, and uh, I could no longer live like that um and i wouldn't want to put anybody through that stuff um from new york to um to miami to san francisco uh to washington dc and and everywhere i've worked in in restaurants have been uh 100 percent um pretty volatile toxic environments and there have been a couple of you know beautiful leaders here and there but uh, the culture itself is so uh, antiquated, regimented, hierarchical in all the wrong ways, um, and with all the classic archetypes, and then all the abuse of, of drinking and drugs and alcohol, which mm. you know I, I participated in, and uh, now I don't have to. So it's, it's a beautiful um, second chance and a, and a rebirth, and so I think that's what we're getting to do a little bit. Mm. You know, <laughs> what are you reading these days? Reading? Yeah. Oh, great question. Um, I'm reading. I like to read a lot of things at once. Um, 
I'm, I'm reading a, a book recommended to me by my therapist called Highly Sensitive People, uh, HSP. <laughs> um, I'm reading Sapiens. Um, I'm reading a book called Don't Write Poetry, um, which is beautiful, um, kind of an overview of uh, poetry. And then I'm reading Adam Gopnik's latest book about liberalism um, and why people hate liberals and why people love liberals. So um, I'm, I'm almost done with two of those books. But wow. uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. I like to read a lot of different things. I mean, but you're incredibly busy. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, with managing Rosa Blue, yeah. and uh, so you're digesting um, a lot. Do you? And I know that you know. Um, I mean, being a leader as you are is a way of creatively outputting. But I know that there's other ways that you, if you ingest, then you digest and you create, you output a lot. Yeah. You're writing poetry. Yeah. You also have written several screenplays. Yeah. Can yeah. you talk about your creative out outlets? Yeah, the creative. Um, it's I've found um, for me they're they're totally um, uh, different mindsets. Really, um, uh, practicing business and 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 being a creative, um, I have found to be. Um, so so right now, I would say that I, I would find it really hard for me to uh, write. Um, a screenplay or a novel to have that kind of because I need to live with it. I mean, mm -hmm. I need to walk around with it. It becomes part of me. Um, but that's what the business is right now. So the business is constantly with me. It's it's a part of me, and so those two things can't live together. But poetry can, and uh, morning work can, and um, and so it's it's. It's an interesting time, you know, because I've spent so many years devoted to the creative energy. But now I get to um, make that energy sublime, in a sense, by by practicing it on a daily basis with a group of people and seeing perhaps, um, you know, a play come to life and seeing it creative in different ways every single night. So that's, that's kind of where mm. I feel like uh, great spirit has put me today to work on mm. and we'll see. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating also from my vantage point working with you, um, to watch the lives that you have helped, um, not cultivate, but for instance, we, uh, our bartender started as a bar back oh, or right. bar director. Right. And now he's, um, and, and his girlfriend is now a, ma uh, you know, a manager. And, yeah. Um, all of these different lives that you've helped kind of cultivate. And that's, it's a fascinating thing to watch this atmosphere, at least to cr give that opportunity for people to experience growth, myself included. I mean, yeah. you're, you're um, yeah. sitting yeah. in, uh, uh, you're sitting in a room, which is a manifestation of the blessing that, that you have been actually. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. I, you know, and, and, and all, Three of those examples are, are really just examples of um, uh, people manifesting themselves, and I get to be a witness to it. You know, um, part of any good business or any effort, if, if you're putting on a play, you're casting the right people, right? You're getting great people to come in and, and play those roles. Uh, if you're, you have a, a restaurant, you, you want great people, and we have great people, and they're just... Um, getting their opportunity mm -hmm. to to shine their light a little bit and um yeah it's it's beautiful it's it's the same 
transformation that has happened for me, you know, there's this story of the um, the mother tigress who is mm. pregnant and she jumps on a pack of goats and in so doing, she um, she does two things. One, she she forces herself to give birth, mm. and um, you know, a little tiger comes out and then, but she dies in that process, mm. right? So um, that little tiger is then raised by goats. And so this little tiger's walking around trying to make goat sounds. And um, one day this big, huge male tiger comes out of the jungle and is about to pounce on these goats and finds this little tiger and picks him up and, and it's like, what, what are you doing hanging out with these goats? And he still believes he's a goat. And he's making these little meh little sounds that goats make. <laughs> and so he takes the the little tiger, the, the big tiger takes the little tiger, shows him in the in the pond, you know, hey, there's your reflection. You look like me. We're tigers. And this tiger still doesn't believe it. So the big tiger has recently slain a gazelle, so there's meat there. He picks it up, sticks it in the little tiger's mouth, and the tiger's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm a vegetarian. Um, he's like, no, you're not. You're like me. So he sticks this meat in the little tiger's mouth, and the tiger starts to eat it, starts to now eat tiger food, um, and immediately, spontaneously begins to stretch and move and make sounds like a tiger because at the end of the day, it's a tiger. It's not a goat. Hmm. Um, and they say that you know, as he's eating this meat, he's kind of choking on the truth. And so one day, uh, your truth comes, and you have to swallow your truth, and you'll choke on it a little bit, um, but then you'll transform into who you are. And I think that, you know, nowadays we, we have a lot of people who just aren't eating tiger meat and who are really tigers, you know. Mm -hmm. So getting to see people at work really become who they really are mm -hmm. is the most fulfilling thing that could possibly happen because that's the experience I've had. It took me a long, long, long time to get there. And so what I want to do, part of my service, is to recognize that talent early. I feel like there's there's this thing that happens for people between 22 and, and 30, let's say, 8 arbitrarily. Um, there's a 16 years where we're not getting any leadership. We're just being forced into the system, and nobody is recognizing us. And at least that, that was part of my journey. Um, and, and that was – I'm not a victim in that. Um, I'm just I, – I, I need someone to, to help me and, and recognize and give me a little bit of leadership and a little bit of accountability and responsibility, and I'll respond. And um, so that's part of the service, I think. It's cool. And so in your, uh, you know, journey, uh, talk about role models, talk about, you know, men or women, but mm. um, both from a sense of uh, business acumen, success, but also masculinity mm. and you being able to step into your tiger self. Mm. Um, role models in your life that you've had. I think role models early on are, are, are athletes, you know, they because they, I was uh, – loved basketball and I, and I just loved watching talent and decisiveness and leadership and teamwork and um, and and yeah I was kind of meditating on this last night in preparation and, and really what was amazing to me what came up was you know um, poetry you know is what really 
to find um, some masculinity to me in a, in a weird way, you know, like, you know, that Bob Dylan could, could, could write a song. I thought that was super cool and, and very masculine, you know, that Mick Jagger could strut around and do what he does and Elton John um, and these uh, profoundly talented um, musicians and, and poets and troubadours, I, I always aspired to that, and I, and I thought that was really cool. Um, I never was connected to, like, businessmen as, mm. um, you know, uh, what I wanted to do. Um, right. You know, right. lawyers or suits or, or stuff like that, and I do now, have, with retrospect and a little bit of, of um, you know, looking back, I, I, I can... I can see what they do as well as being, you know, strong, masculine. But for me, I was kind of floating out into the dreamland. And that dreamland actually provided me with a lot of inspiration on what it meant to be a man, you know. Mm-hmm. I, was th- I was thinking, I was walking the dog Miller this morning, and, and I, this popped up into my head, and it's a line from Macbeth. And uh, it's to Macduff, and he says... He says, dispute it like a man, fight it like a man, but feel it like a man. Well, I guess I guess that's what Macduff says. He says, I'm going to dispute it, I'm going to fight it, but first got to feel it. Mm. And I remember reading that very young, as a young guy, and understanding that to my core, that yes, I needed to fight, yes, I needed to be manly, mm. but just as important was I needed to feel this stuff. And mm. that was a big part of, you know, who I was as an artist and a writer um, and bad actor. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Yeah. And is, so is that, um, do you feel like you are in touch with your body, with your feelings, with your... Oh, yeah. Uh, overly so. I was, I was just sitting with a guy um, who got a year of sobriety, which is amazing. Um, and I was telling him as relates to this book that I'm reading that my therapist has recommended to me called Highly Sensitive People, is that I've always been very highly sensitive. Mm -hmm. And I think that at a certain point that didn't serve me anymore and it became an excuse really just to be selfish. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I could say that, oh, I'm just sensitive, but really I was just being selfish because it was an excuse not to do the hard things, you know. now, as I've gotten recovered after nine years of being dependent on alcohol and drugs, now being independent and free of that, I realize that the best parts of myself are still highly sensitive in the right ways. Mm-hmm. And that's a superpower um, that makes me good at my job. It allows me to see things that are happening across the room. It mm-hmm. allows me to see the look on someone's face. It allows me to understand an employee's pain. Um, it's great to have all that stuff, but I do have to be the caretaker of that, um, and not let, not get carried away and and not let it overwhelm me, you know? Mm. You've mentioned, um, your road to recovery and sobriety. Um, I'd be curious to hear you talk a little bit more about your experience. Um, the first year versus the ninth year. Have you... Good. witnessed uh, growth in you or has it been more easy or difficult? Yeah, well, it's it's a brutal uh, reckoning for sure when you um, uh, 
have to face that finally. Um, I think it's something that, you know, the addict or the um, alcoholic starts to know along the road, like, oh, something is a bit awry here, <laughs> you know, and, and then, but for, for me, uh, it, it had to be the type of awakening that was extremely rude and um, brutal. Um, and it's, you know, in the shape of a, a wife who no longer wants to be with you. And, um, but the beautiful thing about that, um, you know, I'm, I always say that I'm a, I, I, I'm a subscriber to the Big Bang Theory. I really believe in the Big Bang Theory because it's exactly what happened to me. I totally exploded into about a thousand pieces, you know, when this happened to me. And about... 40 of those pieces are still out in the ether. They have not returned. But I, I was able to kind of come back together and become a different type of um, energy. Um, but but it was brutal, and, and a lot of it is exactly like that little tiger digesting the truth about yourself, having to do an inventory on yourself. And there's a marvelous process in the recovery of the steps. It's where you have to do a self-inventory, and you have to start – looking at situations and owning your part in those situations. Yeah, maybe your older brothers beat you up a lot, but what's your part in that? My part was I was a smart aleck. I was an instigator. I was a manipulator. You know, So I, I get to start to own pieces of myself that I didn't want to because it's much easier to be a victim. Um, so that first year is transcendent, and in an inventory where I had to write down things that I resented, like people, places, or things, um, you know, there were hundreds of them. Today, there, there's not hundreds of them because I've worked through a lot of that over the nine years. But when I recently did an inventory, um, I have probably seven things on there, but they're the hardest things, you know, mm -hmm. that I'm continuing to grapple with. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, still can resent myself. I can still resent God for not giving me everything I want, um, I, I always have a little bit of um, a re rebellious nature against anybody trying to tell me what to do, you know. So I need to work on those things um, because I want to harmonize and, and grow. And so I would say the difference between the first year and the ninth year is I'm still doing the same things. I'm still breaking myself down to break through. Um, it's just the I'm almost, I'm like now I'm at the final four, you know, where the teams are really tough. And mm -hmm. so it's just, these are the hard fears that I have to face. And an interesting thing too, I think this is good because we're talking about mankind, man, manhood, masculinity, is in this inventory process, you do a resentment inventory, um, you do a fear inventory, uh, but you also do a, a, a sex inventory. And I think that's a really um, vital thing to talk about because what I had to do in my first sex inventory is go through there and, and do some really investigatory work of – I had always prized myself on being such a good guy, such a nice guy. I got a nice guy. I got a nice face. I'm being nice to people. I love my mom. Um, but I wasn't always great with women, you know, um, and – uh, a lot of that uh, born out of fear. I, I grew up with two older brothers. I played sports. Uh, girls were so wonderful and amazing and beautiful, but I didn't know how to talk to them. Mm. I, I thought they were, 
I mean, I remember guys who had sisters, and I would I would be jealous of them because they could talk to girls, but I couldn't. Mm. And so I would drink in order to talk to girls, and I was extremely shy. But then when I would drink, I wouldn't be shy, and it was it was a it was a hard thing to to um, uh, I don't know live with, and, and and so doing that inventory allowed me to see deeper parts of myself that I didn't want to see. And uh, the amends process is now I get to live a life where I can be a better version of myself, you know. It's intense. It's hard. Hard. I can imagine. Yeah. I just know that in my own struggle with uh, substance abuse and um, things of that nature that I personally go at it solo. Yeah. That it's just Mm -hmm. a thing that I sort of duck down and Mm. I write, I journal for, Mm. you know, months. Mm -hmm. And will sort of hibernate mm. and then I feel like okay I've sort of worked through that and then I'll come up for a little bit right and then I operate in a new place of not having uh you know relapsed into this problem and then I'll do it and I'll excuse it and then I hibernate and I go very quiet but it sounds like that um AA is an arena where you are forced to communicate with other men or other is it men and men men and women or? it's men and women but but my sponsor are men and mainly i hang out with with, with men mm-hmm. and um I, I love what you're saying because that's exactly was my process and it was a process that looped a lot it was very circular because i would go into hibernation then i'd come out and then i'd get in the same trouble again mm. <laughs> you know uh we have a great line it's frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices Meaning, you know, I, I could have my sister-in-law telling me that, oh, you're, you're really messing up here. I could have family tell me. I could, I could, I could have the law tell me. Um, but that emotional appeal would not suffice. I, I need mm. to talk to somebody else who has what I have, mm-hmm. who understands what I have. Mm. And then we get someplace, and we call it one alcoholic talking to another. That has been transformative, mm. you know. That thing of, you know, when I have to go through my inventory and I'm telling this guy the awful things I've done and he's not recoiling, he's going, oh, yeah, I did that same thing, mm. you know. Right. <laughs> then you go, oh, okay, I'm not evil. Um, and this thing I can get right-sized and then we walk, walk through it together um, with, a, with a, a higher power and we get to where we need to get, which is amazing. Mm. transformative for sure super cool stuff and so you, you you've been married for 14 uh, good question 2015 no i'm sorry why is this confusing to me right now 2007 12 years 2007 12 years 12 years yeah so you 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 somehow managed to get over the fear of talking to girls to, to, to <laughs> yeah. ask someone oh, yeah. to marry you and yeah. um I, I, i'm i'm curious about now 12 years in what's the what's the magic ticket how how, how does Ooh, i don't think there is one i think what what it is is um uh well you know we had this experience when when we were three years married that um you know uh, broke us apart and for a while and um and then we got together back again through recovery um but uh, you know at that point we went to see a, a couples therapist and she said 
you know, Hans, I'm going to, the, the um, goal here is for you to be the highest version of yourself mm. and for your wife to be the highest version of herself. Um, and whether or not you two stay together is not my business. Mm. My business is for you guys to become the highest versions of yourselves. And, um, and I immediately was like, I want my money back. What is she talking about? She's <laughs> insane. This is crazy. I, that's not what you, she's supposed to do. She's supposed to glue us back together mm. and make it work. Um, but that is the exact opposite of what happened. And, and it just takes a lot of work for both of us, you know, um, you know, hats off to Alan on and hats off to, to AA and hats mm -hmm. off to a, a woman, my wife, who, who does a lot of work on herself, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and I think that's just super important that we never get super comfortable. We're continuing to grow and, mm -hmm. And, and then that takes you to a new uncomfortable space. So <laughs> it's just, it's a lot of work. Is there, could you speak to that? What, what is the next thing that you're looking forward to challenge yourself with? Um, right now, I'd like to, to, to deepen my commitment to, um, you know, having a successful business, um, having, being, having an impact on the community, um, I don't know what that looks like. Uh, I do know that I'm involved in A Course in Miracles, which is opening up my eyes a lot to, to my realities and the way I, I look at things and my perspective. Um, so really a deeper commitment to, to faith is really where, where mm -hmm. I'm at today. And, and that's, you know, it's so funny. Somebody said to me, I was talking about recovery, and they're like, oh, you're being so nice, and it's such a nice thing, and I, I don't see it as being nice. I see it as being really challenging, really hard, <laughs> subversive. Mm -hmm. I think it's about the most punk rock thing you can do is to uh, embrace uh, a life of uh, spiritual teaching. Mm -hmm. It's hard, mm. you know, because there's so many paradoxes in it, um, mm. you know. I think it's Emerson who says, like, a, a foolish consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds. Um, everybody wants things to be so consistent mm -hmm. and so black and white and cookie cutter. And, you know, in listening to your conversation with Brett, you know, they're talking about the Me Too movement. Really hard. It, it should be opening doors for us to talk more honestly about things, and yet now I feel like we have to tiptoe even more around these kind of things because if you say the wrong thing in the wrong context, yeah. suddenly you're a bad guy, mm -hmm. you know. And hopefully, you know, this movement will take on um, – I mean, thank God it's happened for sure. Uh, hope, hopefully it will take on a little more uh, room for more people to participate and, um, and, and we can nurture one another and grow through it and, uh, and grow uh, along spiritual lines because we're not all saints, you know, that's, that's the hard part of it. It just, it tries to make some people saints and some people martyrs and some people, you know, hellboy. Right, <laughs> you know? right. It's, it's like we can point to someone and say, thank God it's not me. Right. Or, or something like that. Right, exactly. Or you just say the, the, the wrong thing. Tony Robbins said something mm -hmm. uh, recently that was antiquated 
and taken in the wrong context. And if you take that soundbite and you put it into the, um, you know, the media frenzy, uh, it just it becomes something else. And so there's a lot of damage control going on. Mm. You know, the cool thing about damage control is, you know, uh, I was reading an article where you, where women like Oprah. Um, who continues to be like, okay, of course there's Oprah. And then there's like, holy crap, Oprah. She just is so amazing. She just keeps on, I mean, she, she doesn't have to be doing what she's doing anymore. She could have stopped a long time ago, but she just keeps mm -hmm. going. So her and, and Reese Witherspoon and other women in Hollywood, you know, they're taking a look at what's happening. And, and, and what I read in this article is is that they're they're taking it from the point of view this woman had written a book 10 years ago about disaster economies you know when when economies fall apart um, and they're taking lessons from that because that's what's happening in some sense like Hollywood is falling apart and where are the opportunities to be of service huh. and to take the movement forward so I think that's a really interesting way of looking at damage control and disaster. Oh. You know? uh, so, um, I guess, like, blacklisting uh, someone like Tony Robbins for making this faux pas right. is not helpful. In, in right, yeah, exactly. Or, or you know, like, uh, the, the economies that, the, that this woman was studying were like, you know, what happens when Hurricane Katrina happens mm. and, and what is the opportunity for um, businesses like Home Depot to go in there. Do we just send in a bunch of hammers and nails and say, hey, we're helping out? Or do we actually move half our company down there and build a warehouse and, and try and like really move into the community and, and help out, you know? That's that's fascinating. What is the name of that book? Um, I think it's called Disaster Economy, but I, I can get it to you later. I did oh. a little research on it, but I have the mind of a 51-year-old now, and it goes huh. in and out. Oh. Well, you, you, you picked up that Emerson quote out of, your, out of your ass. I got that from Sean Penn. Oh, really? Yeah, Sean Penn's a very smart guy. Huh. Boy, is he a smart guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds. A foolish consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds. And then, of course, I, I start to uh, – think Emerson's kind of a prick for saying people have little minds and who is he and why is he so arrogant but see that's that's part of the whole thing right, right. you know you you offer something up and then you 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 know people can pick it apart um so huh. <laughs> that's that's fascinating yeah Hans I'm gonna bring us home good with a um kind of rapid fire I love I'll it. say a word uh -huh. and I would just like you to respond with um the first image or word that comes to mind. Okay. Does it have to be clean? No. And no, <laughs> no. This is, you know, if you're underage and you shouldn't be listening to bad words, turn off now. Um, uh, so I have a list. Yeah. Um, man. Strength. Woman. More strength. Masculine. Divine. Feminine. Mountain. Strength. Ardor. Weakness. P 
pusillanimity leader force success abundance health flying say it again flying 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 oh sex oh yeah orchid is the word that came up oh <laughs> and lastly you learning cool yeah that was great cool thank you thank you of course guys hans lutman yeah yeah thanks david